You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. I'm Dr. Phil Klein. Today we'll be discussing ways to ensure our clinical success by using dental materials that give us the best results. In order to do this, we really need to have some understanding of what ISO is and how their recommendations affect how our products are tested and the claims made by the manufacturers. We should understand the basics behind flexural strength versus fracture toughness, testing methodology, and utilizing data to make the right material selection for our restorative cases. To help us make this all relevant to the dental clinician, I'm pleased to welcome our guest, Dr. Jason A. Griggs. Dr. Griggs is the global head of ISO, the International Organization for Standardization Workgroup on Dental Ceramics. He has served as principal investigator of various grants and authored over 80 peer-reviewed articles, six book chapters, and two patents. He is currently Associate Dean at the University of Mississippi School of Dentistry. Dr. Griggs, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Phil, it's a pleasure to be here. Tell us what ISO means and stands for, and how is it relevant to the dental manufacturer and ultimately, of course, the dental clinician? The ISO is the International Organization for Standardization, and it's a group of product manufacturers and academic scientists and even end users. Some dentists are members of the group. And uh, what they try to do is make sure that all the products we use in our modern life are safe and reliable and that the, the terms that we use to describe the performance of those products uh, are consistent and the same from one lab to another and from one manufacturer to another. Uh, for example, um, one thing that would be important for them that the ISO would tell them what types of information about the product need to be included in the instruction card that goes in the box and is shipped to the dentist. And, uh, and in addition, the ISO would tell the manufacturer how to conduct the test methods to measure the information, the product performance that they put on that card, and would give them uh, suggested minimum limits for um, important uh, material properties like strength or fracture toughness and would also tell them uh, maximum per, uh, permissible limits of um, undesirable things like radioactivity, uh, cytotoxicity, how much uh, of the dental product may leach out into the patient's saliva. Uh, to set maximum safe limits for so those things. So if I'm a manufacturer and I'm making a dental ceramic, I pretty much need to be totally on board with ISO, right? I need to work with them or be involved with them. You would need to follow the ISO standards uh, and the regulations would vary from one country to the next, but I think most countries would have a regulation requiring uh, the manufacturer to follow ISO standards. Right. So even if I make it in the United States, I'm only asking this question because I want to make sure our audience understands the importance of ISO, that it's important for them as clinicians to purchase products that have rigorous testing. And let's get into testing. So what are some of the proper testing protocols regarding dental ceramics that a dental clinician should understand? And also answer the question, why should they be concerned with that? Probably one of the most important tests, uh, important ceramic material properties is uh, strength of the material because uh, ceramics have a, 
a, a problem that they are more brittle than other classes of materials and their strength or lifetime is a little bit more variable than other classes of materials. So when we think of ceramics, uh, strength is one of the most important properties. And uh, it would be important to measure that strength using a, a consistent test method. Uh, for example, uh, you would need to shape and polish a strength test specimen uh, from, from the dental ceramic. And if you choose to polish and polish and provide an ultra-fine finish on the surface, you can make the strength of that test specimen go higher and higher the finer you polish it. So uh, there's a standard test method that tells uh, what fineness of abrasive media should be used uh, to grind the specimen flat, how much material should be uh, removed from the surface, and, uh, and what fineness of surface polish uh, should go through. The standard tells what rate of speed to bend the specimen when breaking it, because the faster you bend a specimen, the higher strengths you're going to measure. It prevents accidental mistakes in testing and, and the standard also prevents uh, manipulation of the test method to make the product appear stronger than it actually is. Right, so it keeps everybody on an even playing field when they make their claims about their physical properties of the material. How is that enforced though? Is it, does ISO have any influence on enforcing or role in enforcing any of this when these manufacturers do these tests? Or are these just recommendations, which are very important, of course? Well, these are recommendations, and then it would be up to individual uh, governments uh, to enforce the, whether or not to follow the recommendations if you're selling a product in their market. I see. Okay. So it's an international uh, kind of a consensus of experts in each one of these fields. And you're one of the experts in ceramics, for dental ceramics. Uh, that's correct. I've been uh, doing dental ceramics research for about 30 years now, and I'm the, uh, the convener or the head of the uh, ISO work group on dental ceramics. Yeah, that's impressive. We're really talking to someone who knows just about everything there is to know about dental ceramics from the standpoint of engineering. How challenging is it to meet all of these protocols for the manufacturer, and is there a governing body that checks, and I asked you that before, manufacturers for these standards? It's a complicated structure because there's so many different type of, uh, of dental products and products we use in our everyday lives. So the ISO has a TC 106 or Technical Committee 106 is in charge of all aspects of uh, dental products. And you can tell from the name of that technical committee that there's a lot of other areas other than dentistry that the ISO is regulating. But within the, the Committee 106, we have uh, hundreds of scientists uh, working together uh, to make sure that the standards are, are good and consistent. And so we have to break that down, and there are a lot of uh, subcommittees under, uh, under the Dental Committee. And uh, Subcommittee 2 uh, pertains to all aspects of prosthodontic materials. And even within prosthodontic materials, there's a, a wide variety of tests and standards. And so we have uh, a lot of work groups under subcommittee two. And work group number one is uh, for dental ceramics. We handle the, the standard ISO 6872, which covers uh, testing uh, fracture toughness, strength, solubility, radioactivity, uh, all those aspects of 
of uh, ceramics for dental prostheses. And we used to uh, publish and edit a standard uh, 9693 on uh, glass ceramic, uh, or, or sorry, metal ceramic materials uh, intended for use in PFM uh, crowns and bridges, porcelain fused to metal. And uh, we also have standards uh, telling how uh, laboratory furnaces should be calibrated under our work group. When these companies that manufacture these products that the dentists buy, they reach out to ISO, they look at these standards, they either purchase the information, the research, whatever the PDF is, and then they make sure that they're compliant to best of their ability to this standardization, which is testing their materials and which will ultimately affect the claims they make on the packaging and their advertising. Is that right? That's correct. And in addition, many of the manufacturers uh, send uh, uh, representatives, some of their employees, to serve on uh, the, the ISO Dental Committee, and uh, they help the academic scientists with uh, understanding uh, the way that the materials are changing and developing uh, new test methods for new materials that are coming to the market. So, so we should, work together on that. Yeah. So what should a dentist look for when they're purchasing a product, a ceramic dental material that would give them the confidence that it's the gold standard? And, and give us an example of a gold standard in ceramic dental materials. There are a lot of aspects uh, depending on what location the ceramic crown or, or bridge is going to be placed in the mouth. And so uh, obviously uh, color hue, translucency, properties like that are important. But as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, the Achilles heel of ceramics is that they um, have less predictable strength and lifetime compared to other materials. So for confidence, the dentist definitely wants to take a look at the strength or the fracture toughness of the, uh, the ceramic material. As far as a material with, um, we could call a gold standard, I, I would go for one with a, a long track record of proven reliability and one that also is fairly, you know, translucent for the aesthetics as well. If I needed to have a crown or bridge placed in the anterior of my mouth personally, I would ask the dentist to use Emax CAD or, or Emax Press the lithium disilicate glass ceramic products. The Emax CAD has been used for 15 years now. And before it, the same manufacturer was uh, producing IPS Impress 2, which is very similar in, in composition and performance. And so there's even more than a 15 year successful history. Uh, I think they have 10 years now of um, uh, ongoing clinical trial data showing that the the failure rate is a little bit less than than three percent after ten years, and so um, if I had to choose a gold standard, I, I would hold that material up as uh, a point of comparison for other dental ceramics. I want to ask you about flexural strength versus fracture toughness. We we always hear this as dentists. We see it in advertisements. Uh, we see it in webinars. The doctor shows a screenshot of a graph from some research article that talks about flexural strength. Tell us the difference between flexural strength and fracture toughness and why is it important to the clinician? Well, the, the flexural strength is the amount of stress that a crown or bridge can take uh, before it fractures. And I think that's a pretty intuitive concept for a lot of people. And so it's great for that reason. But the, the problem 
with uh, flexural strengths, uh, you don't want that to be the only material property you look at because it's quite variable from one restoration to the next or from one test specimen to the next. And the strength of a particular specimen will depend on the, the size or uh, severity of the flaws that are present, like a scratch or a bubble or a place where the crown had to be uh, adjusted for, uh, for better fit uh, by grinding it. Uh, and the strength is also uh, can be changed a lot by differences in test method. Even within the ISO standard test method, there could be a variation in how that test is properly performed from one lab to the next and both labs can be performing the, the test within the standard and uh, can get uh, different strength values. So the fracture toughness is important for three reasons uh, to dentists. Uh, one is that it's more of a material constant. It's almost constant uh, for a given material depend, uh, independent of the way that the material was tested. There's less variation in strength. Um, it's also important because the fracture toughness determines how sensitive the strength is to the presence of flaws. So for example, a material with a very high fracture toughness would have almost the same strength after a scratch was introduced uh, into it as it did before the scratch was introduced. And then the, the last reason fracture toughness is important is because we had a study by Dr. Bob Kelly previously that showed a good correlation between fracture toughness and, and clinical data, the actual um, annual failure rates of prostheses in the clinic. And so um, if we measure the fracture toughness of a material, we can use Dr. Kelly's regression model to predict uh, what percent of uh, crowns made from that material will, will fail per year. Now, of course, it also has to do with the preparation design, the laboratory technique, the occlusion. I mean, there's all, there's all these other factors involved as well, but putting everything on an even playing field, it sounds like to me the fracture toughness is something that's more of a universal measurement or metric that doctors should pay attention to because that's less of a variable, as you explained, in the testing technique and how they actually test it. Whereas the flexural strength, there's variabilities that even happen within the ISO recommendations and that criteria. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if I was a practicing dentist, I would certainly pay attention to the fracture toughness. I would make sure the ISO recommendations were followed and are being taken seriously by the manufacturer. And then, of course, look at the track record, because it is difficult sometimes for dentists to make decisions to use certain materials. But I agree, Emacs has been around a long time, and I think that's a pretty solid recommendation made by a company that is very, very strong and stringent with R&D and working with people like you, Dr. Griggs from the ISO. Thanks very much for your time. I appreciate it. I think there's been a lot to listen to here, and it's a little bit detailed, more than our typical podcast. But I think if people rewind it and listen to it three times, they'll get it all straightened out in their head. Thanks so much, and have a great evening, Dr. Griggs. Thank you so much for your help. Phil, thank you for having me on.